All right, we're in this series called Christ Before Christmas, and I asked in the last service how many have been kind of intrigued with blah, blah, the message, and the response was pitiful, so I'm not going to ask again. It's in those moments that you want to get another job, and uh, it, it, it's, uh, but I can just say this. It's been intriguing to me. Whether you've been intrigued or not, I don't know, but finding Christ in these Old Testament stories that it's more than just the angel of the Lord is the Lord Jesus, the uncreated eternal son, and just seeing him last week, we saw him as this, this mysterious figure, Melchizedek. He came as a king and a priest to Abraham, and, 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 and Abraham gets blessed by him, and that's where we got our 10%, the tithe he pays to uh, Melchizedek. You imagine the kingly robes that he had on and the priestly royalty, and this, this, this message is just, he's, he's, Jesus is he's going from one extreme the king who brings bread and wine to nurture Abraham to this. And, and it, it, it's, to me, one of the most intriguing, more than that. It's more mysterious than that. We're going to be in Genesis 32 if you have a Bible to follow along. Let me give you the context. There were two, a set of twins, Jacob and Esau, and uh, they came into the world. Esau came out first. Jacob had a grip, a death grip on his heel. And he gave, they gave him the name Jacob because it meant someone that's a heel grabber or that trips people up. or He's basically somebody that's a conniver. He's, uh, he's a schemer. And all through his life, he, he, he dupes his older brother. But he's older by minutes. But he dupes him by, by you know, confusing him and, and uh, imitating that he's, uh, his, uh, he's him to his father. And his father uh, blesses the wrong son. He gives the big blessing to the younger son and the older son. So he steals his blessing. So he's lived his life conniving. His biggest weakness is his mental strength, his, his, his conniving, his scheming. Um, and now, whether he was physically strong or not, his brother was a hunter, more of an outdoors guy. Um, and so his brother hates him, uh, to his knowledge. And so they're having this confrontation where his brother's marching to meet him with 400 men. So it's not like a reunion. He's coming to kill his brother. And so when he's marching towards him, Jacob basically puts his family on the other side of the river. He's all by himself. And he's, 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 he's alone. And it's in those moments God does his best work. Okay? It's when it's not a big crowd's great, but it's in those moments that you're alone and you've got nobody else but God. Now, I wanted to play the soundtrack, but I don't think it's any relevant anymore. It's just how I remember it. But this is how, if the Bible had a soundtrack, and we're in Genesis 32, this would be, for this story, it would start like this. I don't know how the, the rhythm goes. But anyway, basically, let's get ready to rumble. You remember that? That was a, do they still sing that, say that on those uh, wrestling shows? Yeah. I have to admit that I've not watched one in a long time, and, uh, but I, I used to. So this dates people, that, and he's from Florida. This will tell you that, A, you're old, and B, you were into it a long time ago, like me. But who knows and remembers the name Wahoo McDaniel? Anybody? You remember Wahoo? Wahoo Florida, he was, a, he was a Seminole, but he had a certain move. He chopped people in the throat, uh, the Wahoo McDaniel chop. Well, we're going to see we're going to see Jesus comes as Wahoo McDaniel. Now, come on, 
Now you could say, well, make him the rock. You know, let's make him, uh, you know, who's the big, I don't know, I don't care who the big name is now. It doesn't matter. So we're going to jump into the story. I know some of you are passionate about that and you'd love to get your favorite fake wrestler out. But anyway. <laughs> oh, that hurt. It's, it's real. It's real blood. I mean, ketchup. Okay. Genesis 32. You know, when you travel, we were in Congo one time, and they were watching wrestling, American wrestling. And I thought, what an embarrassment to be known. You know, that's what people, they look at, they, they go, well, that's America. That's America, okay. Chapter 32, what does God do to prepare Jacob to meet his brother who's coming, he thinks, to kill him? Verse 22, that night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent them over all his possessions. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone. Now feel it. When you read the Bible, Paul, just feel it. It's dark. He's alone. He's got a brother coming after him in his mind to kill him. And, and, and if you've ever spent time alone in the woods, you know, they're, they're literally, people have lost their minds uh, alone in the woods. You hear things and see things and feel things. And, and you know, it's just, uh, it, you got to put yourself here. He, he's, he's, he, he's just distraught. Verse 24. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, don't stumble over the word man here because the same Description was given to the three that came to meet Abraham and Sarah in their tents. It said three men came. Two of them were angels. One of them was the Lord Jesus before Christmas. He's busy before his birth. I hope you've got that out of this series. And I hope you can learn some things. You'll learn some things about Jesus you probably never thought about from this story. Because 100% I'm all in that this man was the pre-incarnate Christ before he was born in the manger. This is Christ eternal. He's take, take whatever form he wants to take. And it's intriguing. Now, did he come as a masked wrestler? I don't know. He didn't have a weapon on him that it says. This is hand-to-hand combat. I mean, he came out of nowhere. And you could just see, can you imagine just there, you're all alone, you're apprehensive, all of a sudden your body's slammed to the ground? And then he looks at you and says, let's get it on. Come on, bring it. Let's see what you got. This is, the, this is real. This is hand-to-hand combat. Christ has come to wrestle with Jacob. He's come to bring him to a new place in his life. You've got to understand the heart of Jesus. He's not come to... Uh, uh, permanently injure him, de- de- degrade him, he's coming to set him free. Now, they wrestle all night long. Now, this is a, you got to, it's more than just physical. There's a mental, emotional. We'll see in a minute. There were tears and anguish. There was cries and prayers. This is representative of the way Christ wants his children to believe. An active, aggressive, hands-on faith. A faith that won't let go. A faith that has grit. 
A faith that's like, we have so many, every generation is almost like it's getting worse. You know, the, 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 the generation above me, the World War I, World War II veterans, you know, then it's gone down and down, 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 the, the sense of resilience, the sense of I'm not going to quit, the sense of I won't give up. It, it's just, it's a, it's a plague on our culture. It's a plague of quitters. Uh, they quit in everything. They quit jobs because it gets hard. They quit marriages because it gets a little difficult. They quit churches because someone hurt their feelings. It's just a bunch of quitters. And every generation. It's not, it, it just, we're, we're a generation of quitters. And God doesn't deal well with quitters. He doesn't deal well with pride. And, and I, I want to give you just kind of a Bible context before I unpack this story. If you hold your finger here, we'll come right back to it. But in the New Testament, in, in the book of Peter, 1 Peter, the apostle Peter knew something about wrestling with Jesus. Now, if, if, you, can't, if you can't see Jesus coming along, walking along the road with Peter, they're kind of bored. And he just trips Peter. Peter gets up. Before you know it, Jesus has him in a full Nelson, brings him down. Now, you, if you can't see Jesus doing that, you don't know him. He was a man's man. Worked 30 years with his hands as a carpenter. And Peter was a fisherman. And if you know anything about guys, they're always challenging each other. Or maybe it was Peter that tripped up Jesus and not thinking. He kind of made a joke at it before he knows that Jesus has got him on the ground. Saying, hey, Peter, I love you, and gives him a big kiss and gets back up. Now, I don't know if you have anywhere to put that with Jesus, that he had fun, that he horsed around. But, but to be serious, Peter wrestled with Jesus. Peter was told by Jesus, your mouth is speaking words from the devil. Now, that's, that's wrestling turn. That, Jesus confronted Peter. When Peter failed and betrayed Christ, he was brought back to Jesus with a wrestling match. You can read about it in John 21, where Peter, he, Jesus cooks him a meal. He's on the beach, resurrected Jesus. And Peter comes to him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Now, there's no more wrestling, right? That This is emotional, spiritual wrestling. Do you love, what do you mean do I love you? I'm Peter. I, I've been serving. I've left everything to follow you. Peter does it and he says to him the second time, Peter, do you love me? This is a wrestling match. Three times he asked Peter. Finally, Peter says, Lord, you know, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. So Peter writing about humility. I want you to get this as we go back to the Jacob story in 1 Peter 5. Look at verse 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. So in other words, show respect, honor. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Basically, it put on the towel. The servant's towel. Man, if, if, there, if there's been a hard thing for me to learn, it's to be a servant. I, I just, to learn to serve my wife. It took me years to find the joy that is in me serving her. Just the joy. Uh, you know, just how many years I missed out on that joy with a, a selfish concept of, of marriage and, and, and just being lazy, not being a good uh, husband. I I'll never forget one of my buddies. He's a pastor. He, he was newly, uh, he'd been married. His wife had just had a baby, and uh, 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 she just got home from the hospital and just had a baby, and her family was over, and he got onto her. He said, hey, you need to hurry up, get, get this stuff cooked or whatever, get it done. 
and the father-in-law had had him downstairs put his arm around him and said I won't use his name but let's say it was Bob it wasn't Bob you're a terrible husband when your father-in-law tells you you're a terrible husband there's nothing to do but to say I'm a terrible husband he loved on him that day and he began the journey of learning to be a, a server but Peter says this. Now look at this. Don't miss this because this is what we're going to see in action. Close yourself with humility towards one another. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Now this God resists. You're going to see this out, played out in the wrestling match between the heavenly wrestler Christ and Jacob, the deceiver. He's going to find that Christ is opposed to his pride. And there's only one way to beat it. And that's to wrestle with the God who opposes the proud. But he wants to bring him to a place of humility so he can give grace to the humble. Let's go back to our story. So they're all night wrestling. Let me tell you a few things about Jesus here. Uh, when, when it says they were all night wrestling, and in verse 26 it says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 25. It says, when the man saw, that being Jesus, that he could not overpower him. Let me just stop for a minute. Ah, think about it. You're Jesus. You have the mighty hand of God. You've created the universe. First of all, how did he come? The, what form of man did he come in? Did he come in the form of the rock? I mean, if I was Jesus, at least the rock. I mean, you know, I mean, muscles, just shaved head. I mean, I'm bad to the bone. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to flick uh, Jacob in the head. And, 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 and he, he, he not only doesn't come bigger, my guess is he was smaller. He came smaller, not to overpower. Of course he could have overpowered him. Of course he could have. But there's something in the wrestling that Jesus delighted in because of the result. Even though, listen, it reminds me, I almost showed the clip. It's a beautiful clip. It was on, my wife showed it to me uh, online. But this special needs boy, high school, he was a high school wrestler. And this other boy was one of the best wrestlers. And in fact, I don't know if he gave up an undefeated season or not, but he wrestled this special need in his weight class. He could have pinned him in 10 seconds. It would have been no match. Instead, he, he, he gave effort enough that the young boy that was special needs truly felt he was going at it on an equal basis. He let him make moves on him. He, 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 he let him win. At the end of the match where they stood between the ref, the ref lifted that special needs boy hand that he had beaten this young man fair and square. And he'll never know the difference. The place went crazy. Though that was that boy's defeat, that was his greatest victory. He gave up a record to empower somebody that would have never felt that exhilaration had he that's not like giving everybody an A, by the way. That's that's show this boy gave it all he had. He was he was he was fighting to win. Jacob gave it all he had. It would have been an unfair fight 
had God not been a humble God. We have a humble God. He came after Jacob, number one. Jacob did not come looking for him. He came looking for Jacob. Number two, he came in a form that was equal, maybe a little less than Jacob, so that Jacob, quote, unquote, was winning the battle. He was winning all night. Now, you've got to remember, there's, 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 there, there, he's still Jesus. So at some point, Jesus decides, okay, this has gone on long enough, and he touches him. Some of you remember that old song, he touched me. Oh, and it sounds so warm and friendly. And all oh, the joy that filled my soul, something happened, and now I know he touched me. That's not what Jacob was singing. He was like, ah! I, I'm not, un, I, I've been having sciatic. You ever, you, anyway, don't matter. But if you, if you know what the sciatic is, you know what it is. I've now watched people walk, and I know that's the sciatic limp. I've got it. And that's, it's horrible. I mean, you can't sleep. It's just, it's, 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 it's goes, it's pain runs all the way down you. I'm not sure if he touched the sciatica. I, I think that's what, but he touched the tendon in his hip. And when he did, it crippled him. Now, now here, here's the, 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 the Jacob now wrestled all night. He's overcome. He's not given up. And Jesus just kind of acts like Jesus and touches him. And when he touches him, it cripples his leg. And then when he does, all he can do is cling on to Jesus now. He's not wrestling anymore. It's over. Look at it says in verse, uh, 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 verse 26. Then the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. This is Jesus speaking. And again, it's one of those, let me go, but I want you to hold on. What he says next, God's been waiting 50-plus years to hear him say. When Jesus says, let me go, Jacob says, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's what he's been waiting for. That's what he wrestled with him for, to get him to the place where I know you're not leaving me. I need you. I want your presence. I need your strength. In fact, we know hundreds of years later, the prophet Hosea uses this story to encourage the people of Israel that are named after Jacob, whose name gets changed to Israel. They're in a bad place, idolatry, they're compromising, and he's giving them a picture of repentance, and he uses this story as a picture of how to, be, how to come back to God. In fact, let's throw it up. Chapter 12 of the book of Hosea, verse uh, 4. He struggled with the, and now he calls it, Hosea calls it the angel, but it's Christ. You'll see in a minute he sees the face of God. He struggles with the angel and overcame him. Okay, all appearances. The winner is Jacob. He's crippled now. He drags his leg behind him, but he won. He says, now look at this, don't miss it. He wept and begged. For his favor. What this is doing to the story is taking it out of just the realm of the physical and putting it into the realm of the spiritual. The nature of this battle was a spiritual battle. 
It was prayer. It was crying. It was, I need you. Help change me. I don't want to be the man I used to be. I don't want to live in this way I've been living. I want to overcome these addictions. I want to fight this. I want to win. I want to conquer. Help me. Pleading, tears, weeping. And it says, he found him at Bethel. That, as you read on a couple chapters, he has another encounter. He had encountered him earlier at Bethel, but he has, Jacob has another encounter. But here's the deal. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go. That's what Jesus wanted to hear all the way along. It's a little bit like a wife. She wants to know that you don't, you know, it's, it's it, when, when, I could say this nine different ways, but the bottom line is, husbands, does your wife know that you desperately need her? Does she know that you couldn't do life without her and don't want to do life without her? You say, well, I, you know, uh, not, yeah, no. Jesus wants to know that from you. He wants to know, I can't do it without you, Lord. This is what he's saying here. I'm not going to let go. I've got, I've got, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's not in my strength. It's not in my abilities. I need your blessing. That's what's going to make a difference in my life. Bless me. And he's clinging to him now because he can't stand. He's gone from wrestling to clinging. Those are two different things. He's gripped on to Jesus because if Jesus lets go, boom. He's, he's learning how to walk with a hip out of joint. You know, you know and he, he didn't get to pick where God touched him, did he? He could have suggested the elbow may hurt. I can do pretty good without that right arm because I'm left-handed. But, but I can't run without my legs. And with my hip out, I've got to face my brother. I can't run from him. I can't run from anything anymore because he touched him. There was a vineyard song out. I made fun of it in my book. I always thought, I hope the guy's not a real big vineyard worship leader. But I met him, and he's not. And I wasn't worried after I met him. But I made fun of his song. And I know that's personal. I'm sure people have made fun of my book. I wrote it for people to make fun of me. So that was the whole point. So you can't hurt me. I make fun of him in my book because he wrote this wimpy song called Sweetly Broken. It's tender. It's gentle. It's soothing. But it's baloney because there's no such thing as being sweetly broken. How many of you have ever broken a bone? Let me see hands. Broken bones. Was it sweetly broken? Would you say, oh, that's just, that's so soothing. I just feel the, the joy of a broken bone. I don't care if it's your little toe. You're in, you're in, you break your little toe, you're limping. You're in agony. You break something bigger, it just gets worse from there up. Sweetly broken. You've, now, you know what I said to myself? That guy's never been broken. Because if you've been broken as I have, I've wrestled with God. I know what it is for him to take you down. Because he loves me. I, I, I don't get the misperception here. This isn't God trying to get Jacob to do something he doesn't want to do and force him. He's trying to get Jacob to be what Jacob really wants to be. He wants to be the man that God is designing to be. He wants the blessing of God. This isn't God forcing somebody to follow him. This is God bringing someone to a place that he wins, but he's set free because he really loses. He's going to lose his old name. 
He wasn't sweetly broken. He was desperately broken. The rest of his life, he limped. How do you call that a victory? I'm going to say that was a defeat, but it was a wonderful defeat. Some of the best victories come out of horrible defeats in our lives. Pride is a destroyer of a spiritual life. That's why Peter quotes, it's out of the book of Proverbs, James quotes it as well, but he says, God opposes. The word opposes means I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to go hands on right now. That's a cop term, by the way. When a cop says, I'm going hands on, you're in trouble. I settled our security team. I saw the other night when we were there throwing someone out and said, are you going hands on? He looked at me like, maybe. And I thought, I started praying for the other guy because he didn't need my help. I mean, the, the security team didn't. Listen to me. God says, I love you so much. I'm going to wrestle you out of your pride. I'm not going to let you live in pride. I'm not going to let you live in an arrogant sense that you make life happen in your own power or that you can fix yourself or that you can change things around you. I'm going to let you wrestle with me. I'll never forget finally saying to the Lord, I'll go to a counselor. Do you know what that was as a pastor to go get help from a counselor and pay money for it? And I've been doing it for years for free. I thought, man, I should have been charging for this a long time ago. I was a pretty good counselor. I quite Years ago, I started telling people I'm a terrible counselor because nobody asked me anymore because they said, Jamie's a terrible counselor. That, believe it, I am. Because I'd just tell you, that's stupid. Stop it. <laughs> Give me 100 bucks. <laughs> it's like the first, I can't tell that story now. All right, you baited me into it. <laughs> the guy's sitting in my office. This is a lifetime ago. I'm like, I'm in my 20s. What do you know? I'm stupid. The guy's sitting in my office, and he's beating around, getting around. What's his problem? You know, and I, back then, I didn't have any tolerance either. I was kind of like, all right, what are, what are you in here for, buddy? You know, I'm Mr. Master, fix it all. I can, you know, help anybody, you know which is horrible. The last counseling session I did, the lady, when he shared his side, she shared her side. I looked at her and I said, you know, he makes a pretty good point. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> she, she left the office. Back then I had jealous windows. She slammed that door, called me every name I've ever been called. Slammed that door. The glass broke all the way down to the thing. He leaned over at me, the couch, just me and him, and he goes, what are we going to do now? <laughs> What do you want? I took your side. That's a 200 extra bucks. I, so I don't do counseling. But this guy's in there and he goes, I know this is inappropriate. But I just confess it on the front end. You can get mad at me. That's okay. I've already apologized. Does that count if you apologize before? I'm going to smack you, but before I, I forgive me, I'm going to hit you. So this guy's in his eye. I said, what's your deal? And he goes, he says, uh, I got a problem dressing up. And I thought, man, you're in the right place, dude. We got free from that years ago. We don't wear ties. I wear blue jeans. He goes, that's not what I'm talking about. Then I noticed he had red stuff on his face. I said, dude, what's that red stuff? He goes, that's rouge. Rouge? I said, men don't wear rouge. What are you doing? And then he proceeded to tell me that he wanted to wear his wife's underwear. And I just said, dude, you're sick. You need to get help. And, and I'm not the one to do it. So... Uh, I know my limitations. 
That's for, can't help that, buddy. Can't help it. Can't help it. It's a real problem. I get it. There's no way out. I can't get out. So we'll move on. Back to the story. Back, I can see my wife's at home on her face before God saying, Jesus, please, pull him out. Lord, help him. God, he can't offend anymore. It's Thanksgiving weekend. You can't offend people. So Jacob won't let go. He's, he's been touched by God. And then, verse 27, and the man asked him, what's your name? Now, again, people lose their mind. Oh, it could have been Jesus. If it was Jesus, he would have known who he was. Of course it was Jesus. It's like saying when Jesus was in the Garden of Eden that he didn't know where Adam was, and Adam wanted hide-and-go-seek, so he had to say, Adam, where are you? I give up. I can't find you. What kind of God would that be that you could beat him and hide-and-go-seek? Come on. He just wanted Adam to admit where he was. Then he said, did, did, what have you done? Have you, you didn't eat of that tree, I told you. Of course he knew. This is Jesus saying to Jacob, I want you to say who you are because I'm not going to let you stay who you are. Because when the Hebrews gave people a name, it was predictive of what they would become and their, their, their character and their being. And when they named him the supplanter, the the deceiver, the jokester, the trickster, when they named him that as Jacob, then all his life he's been fulfilling that. Jesus says, what's your name? When he gives his name, he's admitting his debility. He's admitting his brokenness. He's admitting his guilt. He's admitting his shame. He says, my name is Jacob. And he knows all that comes with that. That's why his brother is hunting him down because he's deceived and manipulated and stolen and he's been a scoundrel. And God says, I love you too much. My love will not let you stay who you are. What's your name? And when he gave him his name, Jesus responds and says in verse 28, he says, my name's Jacob, verse 28. Then the man, Jesus, says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God. You've done the hard work, basically. I, you know, only Jesus can change a name. Now, you can change your name legally. You can, you can, I'm saying change your character, change your nature, change your being. Move you from being a self-absorbed person with pride that can't be wrong, nobody can correct, and nobody can tell you what to do. That's what's got you into the ditch you're in right now. You're an independent, rebellious, prideful person. And you've burned up and blown up more relationships than most people will ever have. And you can't wonder, well, why people won't, why don't they, why didn't they want to invite me over for this? Because you've used up your get out of jail free cards. That's why. You're at a point in life where you better wake up. God's wrestling with you. Now, I get it. The devil can attack us. That's a different kind of fight. You don't rebuke Jesus. When he's wrestling with you, he's not trying to get you to sin. He's trying to get you to get free from your sins. He's not wrestling with you to steal, kill, and destroy. He's wrestling with you to heal, to restore, to transform. This is the Jesus that we have that says, I love you too much to leave you where you are. But there's a battle to change. 
And that's the kind of faith that this story calls out. If you've got a weak faith that just, well, you know, I prayed about it a few times. I went to the cross once and I talked to one person. Well, you know, nothing changed. And you give up. That's not what Jacob is a model of. Jacob is a model of keep going after Jesus. He loves it. He may act like he's not doing anything. He may act like he's not going to do anything. He's wanting to see out of you that kind of faith that grabs a hold of him and says, Jesus, I'm not letting go until you bless me, until you bless my marriage, until you bless my children, until you bless our lives, God, until you set me free so you break this bondage. And then you, I'm willing, Lord, to do whatever you tell me to do. It's in that kind of wrestling. It's in that hand-to-hand love that's tough, fierce. This isn't a Jesus to mess with. This is a Jesus whose hand created the universe, and he touched him. That hand that Peter said, humble yourself. Peter's been under that mighty hand of God. He's been under that hand of, of, of the wrestler, the heavenly wrestler, and he surrendered to it. And Jacob surrenders. He gets a new name. He gets a, a new beginning. He gets a new heart. And now he has to walk it out. He has to grow in it. He has to become who Christ is calling him to be. But this is sweet surrender. It wasn't sweetly broken, but it was sweet surrender. It was, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. This is, Lord, make me your man. And I love, I love what it says here. Because after he he, he gets his new name as promised. Verse 29, Jacob says, please tell me your name. And Jesus says, what are you asking me my name? Come on. You know who I am. Come on. I'm not going to. You'll figure it out. He does as we read on. Then he blessed him. And again, that's not be blessed. Be blessed and warm and filled. This is the kingdom. This is the presence this is the power of the creator when he says, I bless you. It's, it's that, that shalom of God. It's the power of wholeness. It's I've forgiven you, cleansed you, washed you. You can go face your brother now, not with shame in your head down, not with fear gripping your throat, but with your head up, walking straight into his presence with my boldness. Now here's what he calls this experience. In chapter 32, verse 30. So Jacob called the place Penel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was... I'm alive! He's not bragging about beating Jesus. He's bragging that Jesus didn't kill him. Do you get it? How do people miss this? Well, we think it was a... An angel of God. No, no it was God in the, in, in, in the form of a man. Christ, his son, that wrestles with him. He's seen the face of Jesus. And that changed him. He no longer, he thought he was fearing the face of Esau. But once you see the face of Jesus, you no longer have to fear anybody else's face. You don't have to fear facing your past. You don't have to fear someone accusing you of shameful because you've faced Jesus. You've been clean with God. You've walked free. Now, he walked 
I love how, the, love how this, just, just see how, how this ends, this story, seeing the face of God. And then it says this, verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Penel, and he was limping because of his hip. And to this day, the Israelites don't eat the, whatever that ligament is. He went to see Jacob like, or uh, Esau like this. Every step said, I need you, Jesus. I'm not letting go. Every step said, it's not my strength, but it's your strength, Lord. And you know what God did while he was wrestling with God? God wrestled with Esau. Isn't it funny how it works that way? If you quit wrestling with the people that you're trying to change, and you start wrestling with God and let him change you, watch out what happens to that other person. I'm not making magical uh, guarantees. I'm just seeing it over and over and over again. When a man's ways or a woman's ways please the Lord, he makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a general promise. Now, it doesn't always work that way, but I'm going to tell you this. He was letting God fight his battles. He fought his own battles with God. We tend to fight battles with others. We tend to fight battles trying to fix, change in our own power. We fight those battles, but we don't fight with God in faith. We don't fight with God in prayer. We don't agonize. We don't cry out. We don't hang on to God until he says, I'm going to bless you. He may change how you pray if you keep praying for something and it just nothing's changing. Sometimes you come at it in a different way. Instead of saying, God, would you change them? Maybe you need to say, God, would you change me? Are you using this to change me? Do you want me to be different here? What, what do you want me? Wasn't it much easier for, to pray for God to change somebody else? Come on. Wrestling with God is dangerous. It's just dangerous because your pride's going to get crushed. God doesn't, he doesn't heal. We don't say, come to the cross this, this morning and have your pride healed. We're going to lay hands on your pride. Those of you that have been humbled this week, life's been hard. We're going to pray for your pride to be restored. No, that'd be demonic. Pride's not good. It's evil. And it robs us of so many blessings. And you may, listen, let me just help you here. The ones of you that are sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any problem with pride. What do we have for him, Johnny? We have a big awareness here. Turn the lights on. Ask somebody else that you're married to if pride's an issue in your life. If you're sitting there thinking, I'm, I don't think I have any pride. People that have humility are deeply aware of their pride. People that have pride are not aware of being prideful. They may know they're cocky or they're brazen or they're, but pride is that root that says, I can do life on my own. I don't need God's help. I can do it on my own. I'm smart enough, strong enough, wise enough. I've got this far on my own. I can do it on my own. That was Jacob's life. Tell his brother came to meet him with 400 men. And he's in a corner. And there's no way out but to face God. And once he faced God and lived, that's his story. It's not, I wrestled with God and he killed me. Even that would be a good story. But I wrestled with God and he didn't kill me. He crippled me, but he didn't kill me. I wrestled with God. 
and he gave me a new name. You want to be able to run fast with your old name, or would you be willing to limp and carry a new name? I don't think he minded the limp. John Wimber that founded the vineyard that we're a part of, he used to always say, don't trust the leader that doesn't have a limp. Think about that the next time you get on your internet watching your big shots, the big prophetic people and the Noah. If they don't have a limp, find somebody else to listen to. If they haven't been through enough of life that they've screwed up, messed up, blew up, got it wrong, had failure, those are the people I look up to that get back up. I don't have any friends that haven't failed. I have a lot of friends that have failed in a lot of ways like I have. And they got back up by the grace of God. They got a new name. And they're walking in their new name. All of us will fail. We're all broken and flawed people. We all are weak. We succumb to temptation, to lies, to pride, to failure. But Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to make you better. I'm going to, I don't want a wimp for a follower. Your faith is wimpy. You give up. You quit when there's barely any challenges. I'm going to wrestle with you till I build you up in your faith that you've got the strength to go face the Esau's you have to face in your life. He's wrestling to train. He's wrestling to liberate. He's not wrestling to hurt. He's not wrestling. Even when he touched him, it was the touch of mercy because he says, I don't want that pride growing back. I want you to walk in the freedom of being Israel, my prince. Let's pray. Just take a moment before this heavenly wrestler. You know, Jesus let himself get defeated here. He let Jacob win. He's done that another time. He let evil win on the cross. Jesus could have defeated every demon of hell with one swing of his sword. Jesus could have crushed the neck of Satan with one step. But he surrendered to the Father. He laid down his prerogatives to win. And he laid down his life. Then Satan took advantage of it and killed him on the cross. But that wasn't the intention. That was the plan. Just like when Jesus came to set Jacob free, he gave in to him because he wanted him to win. Jesus gives in to evil because he wants to redeem us. It's not because he's weak. It's not because he's incapable. It's because he is loving and chose to lay down his life. It's one thing to get beaten up by someone that's stronger than you. It's another thing to let someone who's far weaker than you defeat you. And Jesus did that so he could pay for our sins. What a grace. What reckless love that came after us that would do that. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus as Lord, or you've been way far from God, not sure where you stand anymore. 
Jesus wants to bring you home. He's been wrestling with you. He's been wrestling with you to bring you to this place of receiving his love, his forgiveness, his mercy. So what do I do, Jamie? Well, you can't undo your past, but you can have it forgiven. And you can ask the Lord right now where you're seated, Lord, would you forgive me for all the things I've done to hurt others and hurt myself? Forgive me how I've hurt you. And then invite Christ to come into your life. Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? Help me follow you the rest of my days. Just invite him to come be your Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you don't give up on us. You keep wrestling. You keep wrestling. Your love keeps coming after us. You're relentless in your pursuit of those that are lost until you find us and bring us home. Let people be found this morning, Lord. Bring them home in Jesus' name.